0: The time is now, episode 306.
1: You know, one of the most important things in business and being successful is really doing that deep inner work. And it doesn't have to be hard, but just reflecting on our stories and allow ourselves to shine a light on any blind spots that we might have so we can work through those. And that's one of the ways that we can tap into the subconscious to achieve a much greater level of success in a way that feels light and full of possibility.
0: Welcome to The Time Is Now, the podcast show designed to take action and stay on top of your game, to make a bigger impact with your business while creating more freedom and purpose in your life. This is your host, Emel Deregi. As your business and marketing coach, I'm here to help you get the clarity and the action plan you need to position yourself as the go-to expert in your field and grow a business that is aligned with your needs. This is your time to create more growth, alignment, and impact with your business. Hello, my dear listeners. Today, we are going to talk about the power of your subconscious mind and also the influence of your subconscious mind in your business. And to talk about this topic, I invited a very special person to be, Penny Chesson. Penny, are you ready for this ride?
1: I am. Let's go.
0: Fabulous. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm just going to introduce you in a few words. So for those of you listening, my dear friends here, so Penny is actually an award-winning board certified hypnotist, number one international best selling author and host of the Penny on Your Thoughts podcast. For 25 years, Penny worked as a nurse and a nurse anesthetist. During that time, Penny learned the power of the mind to heal the body through hypnosis. In 2019, she walked away from healthcare to focus on her hypnotherapy practice. She has worked with leading coaches, influencers, CEOs, and business leaders in 23 countries on six continents. And one thing I would like to share with you as well is that I actually personally have worked with Penny. For those who have been following my podcast for a long time now, I have been sharing through my podcast some of the challenges that I've been through through my journey. And one of them was to have to deal with the loss of my own father. And that has impacted how I showed up in my business in some good, great ways, actually, and and other ways where I went through some challenging times through the grief. So after now over a year, I think it's been over a year and a half that we worked together. I decided to bring in Penny because I do think that it's important to talk about how our subconscious mind actually influences how we show up in our business. And before we dive into this topic, I would love to know more about how did you get to do hypnotherapy and to get to specialize in this after being a nurse for so many years, especially in in anesthesia?
1: It was quite accidental actually. When I was working as an anesthetist back in 2008, there were some things going on in the healthcare world that I felt I could hugely benefit other nurses by teaching them what I learned in nurse anesthesia school about pain management so that they could provide safer and more effective pain care for patients. And when I was doing research to create this course, I was seeking out Medically backed information on modalities that didn't require medication. And I came across a body of research on hypnosis, and my mind was blown. So it simmered in the back of my mind for a few years. I looked at different hypnosis trainings, but most of those trainings were taught by people who were not professionals. They were, you know, either had hypnosis practices but had no healthcare background, no professional background, or it was something they did as a hobby. And every once in a while, they held a weekend course. And I finally, in 2012, discovered a course that was led by a retired nurse anesthetist who had extensively used hypnosis in the Navy. I went in taking that course out of curiosity. I just wanted to know what life was about, what hypnosis was about, what is this thing that the mind is so potent. And in that training, I learned about Joe Dispenza. I Mm. learned about Bruce Lipton, ended up getting a copy of the Biology of Belief, which if you haven't read that book, it will really shift the way that you look at your health compared to the way it's presented in the world today. But when I was in that training, I had a personal experience where the instructor called me up for a demonstration and using only his words and me following along with him, he numbed the back of my hand and he clamped a surgical clamp shut on the back of my hand. And it was like being numb at the dentist. I knew he was touching me. I heard the clamp snap shut, but I didn't feel a thing. And my skin carried the mark for over two hours so I called my husband that day and I said, I hate to tell you this, but when I come back, I'm opening a hypnosis practice. And he was like, wait, wait, what? So it was a part-time thing at first. I thought, you know what? I just want to keep my skills and hone my skills. And then when I retire, when I'm 60, 65, this is something I can do. And I'll be well experienced and generate income doing something that I love. And once I started working with clients and getting results, it was just something I was hungry for. And I became very dissatisfied working in healthcare because here in the US, healthcare had been making a transition to being less patient centered, more business centric. And then all of a sudden, I had to shut down my business because we moved halfway across the country and that business was shut down for 18 months. And the longer my business was shut down, the greater the disconnect within, within myself. And then there was just a moment for me where it became clear that for my m- own mental, emotional, physical, and now I know what I didn't know then, spiritual health. I had to make that transition out of healthcare and I reopened my practice. And it was part-time. It took about 18 months, but I was able to build that steam and replace my anesthesia income and walk away in 2019.
0: That's amazing. And were you coming from healthcare and being a nurse is quite a big journey and far journey than from becoming an entrepreneur. So can you tell me what are the steps you had to take to actually start seeing yourself as an entrepreneur? Was it natural from the get-go or... What did you have to do to actually embody that? Speaking of embodiment, the, the identity of an entrepreneur, because you've been a nurse for over 20 years.
1: Yes, it was 25 years when I walked away. Well, when I first started, the only exposure I had to air fingers, quote, entrepreneurship was my mother, who was a hairstylist. And she operated her business out of her pocketbook. So I really had no exposure to what it was to run a business. And when I first opened in 2013, I was self teaching the internet, at least for me in terms of business, I had no idea how big it was. When I reopened in 2018, I was seeing people locally face to face, but I knew that if I wanted to leave healthcare, that I couldn't just do this piecemeal and I couldn't drag my feet. That I really had to educate myself on running a successful business because my mentorship to that point from my hypnosis mentors and instructors had been, well, just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And that is a massive waste of energy and time and even money in some situations. So I started following some friends on Facebook who I knew were coaches that I had met And I dove into a couple of courses about learning how to, you know, the basic stuff, SEO, the website. And the more I got into it, the more I realized I did not know. And I reached out to a fellow hypnotist who was very successful. She left being a a computer science programmer in a corporation and built a very successful practice. And I reached out to her and I'm like, what is the model Like, what are, what are the steps? How did you figure this out? And she said, you need a business coach. I'm like, a what? Mm -hmm. Because I knew a life coach. Like, what is a business coach? I didn't know this existed. And right around that same time was when I heard about Jim Fortin. I was in a group on Facebook called screw the nine to five, pardon my French. That was the name of the group. And that was the mentality I had at the time. And I heard about him and and something just drew me to it because I knew there was something that I did not know. And I had no idea who I needed to be. So fall of 2018 started that journey of unpacking and realizing how I think the biggest thing transitioning from nursing was that, you know, if you show up and nurse anesthesia, because I was an hourly employee, if you show up and you punch that clock. You're getting a check. Mm. In entrepreneurship, you can put in the time, but the cash flow is not guaranteed. You have to learn in market, sales, all the things. It's not just put up your shingle and say, hey, here I am. And people come running in to give you money. There's a movie here in the US called Field of Dreams, and people have this saying, you know, build it and they will come. And that's not how it works in entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah, exactly. So what a way to go. And today I can see how you're showing up in your business. You're a true entrepreneur. And I believe, and that will maybe be a good segue to the topic of the subconscious mind and how it impacts our business. I'm wondering to get started, what is the, your biggest uh, the biggest bridge you had to climb to in terms of your own subconscious mind to be able to be where you are today?
1: The biggest bridge was the believability that something much bigger was possible for me. But whether we realize it or not, subconsciously, we carry the experiences and the memories of conversations of people around us growing up, people that we respect and admire for me to have it and run a business. So there were things around that in terms of you know, how much money you can bring in, how much you can charge. You talked about you had to overcome the belief that you actually could
0: think big. And that's a very good segue in a way where I had two big moments in my entrepreneurial journey that actually led me to start looking at the subconscious mind. The first one was uh, actually when I started it was in a period of growth when i started sabotaging myself and i talked about this in the podcast and my first acquaintance with that was to discover a book called the big leap and realizing that it's interesting the business was growing really rapidly and then i started self sabotaging myself and i was wondering why and the second time was when um you know my father passed away and i was really struggling with being completely frozen and that's i st- looked at every way possible to deal with it. And then I was desperate and I came to you. (laughs) But but basically what I would love to talk with you about is kind of how can we kind of bring this awareness about the impact of our conscious mind to those who are struggling in their businesses and might not even realize that it's the subconscious mind that is actually not allowing us to grow in our business and not necessarily our marketing strategies. In my case, for example, I know that I often tell to my clients, there's, I can offer all the strategies in the world, all the marketing strategies in the world and the solutions that are technical, but nothing would work if we're not ready in our mind to do it and ready in our mind to do it can mean a lot. And I wonder if you want to unpack that
1: and how do you see that? We call them blind spots for a reason, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) That we can't see them. Typically, the way that I will coach clients through this, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, when you find yourself not getting something done, ask yourself, especially procrastination, what is really happening here? Like, what is so big about this task that I can't do it? What do I think and what do I feel? And sometimes you have to ask yourself that question two or three times what do I mean by that you'll ask yourself what is it about this task that feels too much that I don't want to do it and your first answer might be well it's just too big it feels too much what what does that make me think I don't have enough time to get it all done well how does that make me feel I'm afraid I'm going to fail if I can't complete it. So we have to go two or three layers deep sometimes on that question. The key to not getting stuck, as people like to say, is as soon as you recognize you're procrastinating, to begin to ask these curious questions around what is it about this task what is it that's causing frustration because frustration is a secondary emotion. When we get frustrated, it's because something we've done before is not working. So we have to take that step back. But once you understand what is underneath the surface, then you can say, okay, how can I reframe this? And sometimes When we do look at a situation and say that procrastination is because we feel there are too many tasks and it's insurmountable, I'm going to tell you the quickest and easiest way to move past that. And that is to make a punch list of all the things that need to be done. Find the one, two, or three most important that can be done the most quickly and get those off your plate right away. Because the brain, It closes loops when we check things off our list, and that's just a quick mindset hack for you there, but the key is awareness. It's to become aware that something's not working before we get frustrated, and to avoid asking ourselves why, because when we ask ourselves why, we're turning inward on ourselves. And if we're not careful how we ask that question, we can start blaming ourselves or feeling like we're not doing something right. And then that takes us down a negative spiral of emotion.
0: Right. And I think you said something really important is awareness, but also finding that balance between being, I don't know if you would agree, but I feel from my experience now that the majority of the challenges that we have in our lives and our businesses and our work are in majority due to the way we are processing everything around us. I feel like it's more about how we process our environment than our environment that actually impacts the results we get in our businesses. So having that awareness of always questioning, okay, why am I stuck and what can I do about this? What is the thought process I'm going through that's leading me to actually this result? And while we do that, making sure that we actually do it from a place of empowerment and not a place of discouragement and loss of confidence where I'm not good at this, I'm not good at this. And rather reframing the story. We talk a lot about story when we talk about subconscious mind of how we can reframe our thought process in a place where we are more empowered, which will lead us to the topic of identity. And and I want to talk about that as well. But it's not that easy to actually reframe that story because not everybody, first of all, can figure out where is that story that we're telling and how to reframe it. So any tips you have about that? That's just
1: a whole (laughs) great process that you shared in talking about processing information in the stories. So the great reframe would be, when you get in this situation and things feel challenging and maybe even insurmountable, ask yourself, what is one small thing I can do that moves me forward? Mm-hmm. Because action gives us feedback, which gives us clarity. But may I go a little bit more into that processing piece that you just mentioned? Mm-hmm. Please. So we, we, we process our environment based on these stories and the model of reality that we carry in our mind. It's brain-based. There's an area of the brain called the reticular activating system. And our subconscious mind takes in 20 million bits or more. It's debatable. 20 million bits or more of information per second. And it has to filter this information based on what we have told the brain is important to our survival. The self-talk that we have with ourselves, the conversations that we have with others, the content that we consume, especially visually and auditorily, influences the reticular activating systems, you always want to ask yourself, what if in terms of the positive, the possibility, the future, because you were literally programming your brain to process information based on the frame that you gave it.
0: Yeah. The first call to action, I would say, and the simplest one is every time we go through a challenge is to actually sit down and quiet sit down in silence and try to unpack that challenge and what are the beliefs and the thoughts and the self-talk we're having about it and then reframing it in a way that it serves us. The thing is that this is a very good tip and I'm doing it all the time and I've been always doing it since the moment I learned about it and I always encourage my clients to do it. However, it does not always work. Because we're not aware about the stories, the subconscious stories that we have in our head. So it always works when we are aware of those stories. But when we're not aware, then comes this huge range of topics that I'm going to try for us to summarize if we can. But the biggest learning I've had through this journey, and also I've there's one thing is to know something. The other thing is to actually experience it. So one of the things that I experienced with you is this whole First of all, debunking of the stories we have in our subconscious minds that we're not even aware of. And then the second part is when we start tackling, building the new identity. And there's another story, right? And so as you can see here, we can unpack this in many ways, but I would love to see with you, how could you start introducing a little bit that transition from being aware about our stories and trying to tackle them like we did to what should we we do when we're not aware of our stories? What, what are the tips that you would recommend so that we can transition to building the new identity that will serve us better?
1: Okay, I will do my best to yes. keep this very simple. <laughs> and I'm going to sum up a four-day workshop in just a minute or two here. If you want to identify what I call the identity gap, this is going to show you where the hidden stories and beliefs are. So if you don't have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper, you know, pause the episode and and get that. The first thing that I want you to do is to write out where you want to be in just two or three sentences, relationships in your business, what you want your day to look like, because value, excuse me, freedom is a top value for most entrepreneurs that I know. Then The next step is I want you to outline your identity right now. So, write out, I am, and list, I don't know, five to 10 statements that are true about what you believe about yourself right now. These are not affirmations. So, you might say something like, I am a procrastinator, I am an introvert but you might also say, I'm joyful, I'm committed. Write those statements out. What are the current beliefs that you hold? This is the next piece. I believe that if I have money, I will lose it all. Mm -hmm. Or I believe that being an entrepreneur is going to be hard. Or you might say, I believe that entrepreneurship is easy. I thrive in challenging situations. So write out those beliefs and those beliefs can be around your relationships, your money, your business. Now list out three of your current habits, three to five of your habits that you engage in every day that are related to the current or the the environment that you want in your business, family, relationships. What are your current habits? Now, when you sit back, And you look at this list. Does that list align with where you want to be? And for Mm -hmm. most of us, it's not. So think about where you want to be and ask yourself, if I already had the $5 million a year business, who am I? What are the I am statements that would be true about me if I had the $5 million business? Then you ask yourself, What would I believe about myself if I had a profitable $5 million business? I believe I'm a great money manager. I believe I'm a great leader in my business. I believe I'm creating impact and make a list of all of those things. And then what are the three habits you would have every single day that allow you to achieve that? And when you put those two things side by side, you will see a gap and Mm. you can say, wow, what causes me to believe that money would slip through my fingers? What causes me to believe I'm not a good money manager? And you can really dive deep and do a lot of self-reflection and exploration with that.
0: Love it. So we could, I love that you summarized it in such a short way. Kudos to you, Penny, because I know that how big this is unpacking this whole journey can be very complex and I love how you simplified it but also my question to you who are listening is how did you feel in your body when Penny said when you have a business of five million dollars because I know for a fact that there was a time for instance where in my own body I would feel either a complete disconnect or oh, this is not me or I feel shake or something like that and it's interesting when I heard that from you now like yeah. Like I felt like a sense of joy, which I know that in the past I did, not it used to trigger me. It used to stress me out or to feel like, oh my God, this is not even a conversation for me. Right. So watch your body behavior. Sometimes it's in the body that tells us more than what's happening in our brain, what's happening in our guts and our stomach. And, and I think that's, uh, that's also a good connect, like a good sense of awareness is to listen to our body. So we talked about awareness a lot or blind spots. Second is figuring out where's the gap, blind spots that we might not know. But at some point, we might really still either struggle to discover the blind spots or even to know them and to pass through them. And that's where I think hypnosis comes into place. Because of time's sake, I would love first to introduce hypnosis. As for me, it was the solution to that. I know that in my journey, it's at, at When I came to you was the moment where I could not anymore figure out some of the blind spots. Why am I stuck? And then once I figured them out, it's like, okay, but how to free myself from that? But my first question to you is what is hypnosis? And then I'll I'll ask the next
1: one. So hypnosis is simply a state of mind where we're in a state of focused attention and we can receive or give ourselves suggestions. And basically what that means is we're bypassing the critical analytical thinking part of the mind.
0: Excellent. I actually want to talk about the the big elephant in the room here is all the misconceptions that people have about hypnosis. A lot of the people would, depending on where we come from, but I think even in the US, most of the people would see hypnosis as that. Stereotype of the chicken on the stage where people just do things they don't want to do. And I want to see how you react to that. What is your answer to that? Like hypnosis is something that puts us out of control of our bodies and our minds.
1: All hypnosis is self-hypnosis. We basically choose to follow instruction to go into that state, specifically when you're guided hypnosis, because we spontaneously go in and out of this state. All the time throughout the day. But when we're working with someone else, it's a consensual process. If you and I had not developed trust, if you had not had information about hypnosis and known that it's a place where you can allow yourself to be open to change and how empowering that is for you, I couldn't have guided you into hypnosis because your mind would have said, no, Mm -hmm. this doesn't feel safe. We have a protective mechanism. -hmm. That's always at play there. In terms of the stage hypnosis, I always love answering the specific question. When someone's doing stage hypnosis, they call for volunteers, and people volunteer knowing that they're going to do crazy antics and have fun. And so basically, they're consenting to receive those directions and they're agreeing to act out on those things.
0: All right. I would love to share my definition from the consumer side what I realized, first of all, I did need to get acquainted with hypnosis before I reached out to you. Because for me, that was like a scary thing. I had all the misconception about it. I think starting the journey of meditation was the first step, learning about meditation. Because what I often say to simplify, to in my words, for me, hypnosis is like, medica- me- like meditation, but with a goal. Whereas for me, meditation, there's no goal besides relaxing and emptying the brain. Hypnosis has a goal. I'm going to put myself in a a certain state of mind so that I could relax and then go tap into that subconscious mind, what it's telling me. So that's the
1: first thing that I've experienced is my own definition. I don't know if you would agree with that. I, I totally agree with that because people often ask me, what's the difference between meditation and hypnosis? And it's simply that meditation is passive and hypnosis is active. We're we're going in for change.
0: Exactly. And so that was the first thing. The second thing I've realized doing the sessions with you is that I actually never lost consciousness. I was actually always conscious. And while a part of my brain was so relaxed, like it felt I was asleep, but I was actually not asleep. I was completely awake and aware of everything that was going on around me. So I never felt like I was losing control.
1: Uh, that's common too right? People feel like they're going to be put out, put under. And it's because some hypnotists do use that language and it's actually old language that has just been passed on. It's really a state where you are aware of everything that's being said. And even when I've talked clients through this before we ever do hypnosis I tell them you're going to be aware of everything that I say you're not going to be asleep you won't be out you won't be under and we go through one of those processes that's more directed like you and I did and when I emerge them out of the state of hypnosis they'll look at me and say I heard every word you said I'm like I know you did (laughs) but I wasn't relaxed and I'm like hypnosis is not relaxation And that's probably another big misconception is people believe that if they didn't feel relaxed, they weren't in a state of hypnosis. But the type of work that I do is to specifically go in and target those beliefs and misperceptions and find the seed at its root Mm -hmm. and rewrite it. And that is anything but relaxing. We're having a conversation the whole time back and forth.
0: And I can tell you, I was not relaxed. I was
1: exhausted after each session. Everyone's very different in that process. It depends on how much emotion we have stored in our body and in our mind around an event. And that emotion does not relate to the intensity of whatever it is that we experienced. It can be something that's not what we as adults would consider traumatic at all. But as a child, it could have been tremendously traumatic because it's just a simple misperception. Mm. But that emotion gets it gets carried, right? It gets stored. And when it comes out, it can most definitely and I often call it mental gymnastics as well. Because when you're dismantling beliefs, and you're rewriting beliefs that requires energy and work in the brain. And the brain loves to conserve as much as it can. That's why we have neural pathways that we end up running on habits every day to conserve that energy in case we need that energy to survive because our brain is still primitive. It still thinks we're a caveman Mm -hmm. that's out sneaking around, hiding from the saber-toothed tiger and looking for something to eat our outside world has evolved much more quickly than our survival mechanisms in our brain. Yeah, definitely. So we talked a lot about hypnosis.
0: Hopefully we debunked some of the misconceptions about it. Now, the biggest other thing is for those, like, where would you draw the line between coaching and hypnosis or maybe even therapy?
1: So with therapy, generally people are folk. The entire focus is to unpack something from the past with hypnosis. We're looking to dismantle the beliefs that are keeping you from moving forward. Now, coaching, especially mindset, coaching, there are subconscious mindset coaches. There are different ways to approach the subconscious and we need all of those things to come into play to be successful. So for example, a business coach, a mindset coach, a subconscious mindset coach, They might work with you in terms of journaling, gratitude, affirmations. They might help you identify these beliefs. But hypnosis is to specifically target an emotion, a behavior, or a belief and to, in a very directed way, go back to its origins, which the majority of the time, the foundation that became the fertile ground for that behavior to grow The two don't seem connected, but there is a story or a belief subconsciously that ties the two together. And my clients are often blown away because sometimes it makes no logical sense Mm. whatsoever. But our brain, it just spends all day trying to connect things together like a matrix and to make sense of the world around us, especially when we're children, when we don't have context If
0: I had to use a metaphor, I would call hypnosis like a system update, or if it's great, if it's like a bigger thing, it would be a complete reboot. (laughs) I don't know if you would, like, if you consider our brain as a computer, it's just to, it's just to update it because we've stored a bunch of information that is no more relevant, but our brain is still trying to process all that information with a different circumstance.
1: That's an excellent metaphor, because if you think of like the way our body runs is just the operating system, right? but the way that we're showing up in the world is the program. If you've ever run your computer and you have too many tabs open, you haven't cleared the cache in the RAM in a while, you haven't updated the programs, everything slows down, it gets clunky, one thing causes another thing to not work that well. I just love it. That was that was yeah. beautiful.
0: <laughs> so to wrap up slowly this conversation, as I said, it was really hard for me because there's so many things I would love to unpack here, but I would like to close a little bit with the identity because basically for me, this whole journey is about, as we said, identity identifying what's stopping us from, from reaching the vision we have in our business and our goals in our business. But for me, the ultimate goal is to build the identity of the person we need to be to reach that goal and to create that reality we want. And most importantly, the impact we want to create. But in in just a summary, I would say, and in order to go to where we want to be, it's more about working on who we want to be, who that person who will create that change. So what are your tips um, regarding that, creating that new identity once we have debunked all this clutter, cluttering thoughts we
1: had? Well, if you use that identity framework that I gave you earlier, Mm -hmm. as you work through those stories and beliefs, you are becoming the identity that you created. And once you become that identity, you might be open to realizing there's even more possible for you. And you may go back through that identity process again because speaking to the $5 million business, the first two and a half years, maybe three years that I was going through my own personal coaching journey, I was tossed that question. What would your life look like if you had $5 million? And I had no clue. I couldn't even imagine it. So you may go through the identity process more than once. Once you hit one milestone, you're like, wow, this really is possible. Okay, who do I need to be to get to the next level? So this is a lifetime process. But as you debunk the stories and the beliefs, you are becoming that identity that you've set up for yourself. Oh, wonderful.
0: So thank you so much for summarizing such big topics in such a short time. We could have dived into this so much deeper, but I would definitely recommend all those who are interested in checking your resources and learning more. Could you tell us where is the best place to find you?
1: Well, I'm over on Instagram at penny.chason, or you can find me at my website, www.pennychason.com. Perfect. And
0: I will be also linking all your resources on the show notes of this episode. You Go to the time timeisnow.biz slash 306. Before we end, I would love you, Penny, to complete this sentence. The time is now to.
1: The time is now to follow your intuition and move forward in your business and your life in a way that is aligned with who you are not what others have told you you need to be.
0: Amen. I could have not ended this uh, so well, better than that. So thank you so much, Penny, first of all, for your great insights and for having been part of my own transformation journey.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm just excited to see where all of this takes you.
0: Thank you so much. And those of you listening, my dear friends, I hope that this has triggered Some thoughts for you, some ideas about what are the things that are stopping you in your journey. It's very often with the dialogue you're having with yourself. So I would invite you to check on yourself, have that conversation with you, write down your thoughts and shift them. And if at some point you can't shift them on your own, reach out for help. And Penny is one of those people you could as well reach out to. So I look forward to hearing from you. Don't hesitate to reach out. If you have any feedback about this episode, this is the time for you to grow your business with more impact and enlightenment.